Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we continue our 2020 positional primer talking about quarterbacks. Hi, James. Hi, David. This is Adam from uh, Georgia, first-time caller. Um, huge fan of the show. Uh, I was just uh, last night, I was watching the video with uh, Carson Palmer talking about how Javis could have a massive year. Um you know, because of uh, the uh, the difficulty of the offense. That's why he threw so many interceptions. That's why Carson said he threw 22 interceptions his first year under Arians. Um, I just thought I'd uh, see about your thoughts on his commentary. I don't know if you guys watched the video or not. But um, anyway, hope you guys have a wonderful day. Go Bucks. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Jericho, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at Jarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. We are continuing our 2020 positional primer previews talking about quarterbacks and who better to join us to talk about the quarterback position than our fearless leader site manager from bucksnation.com gil arcia gil how you doing buddy i am fantastic how are you guys oh doing well doing well happy to have you back on the show absolutely First off, we we have to say congratulations to the Tigers for winning the national championship last night. What a game that was. Absolutely outstanding. Here's here's the the situation. The Buccaneers obviously are entering the offseason. Jameis Winston is no longer under contract. The Bucs have a decision to make. Do they franchise him? Do they transition him? Do they offer him a long-term extension? Do they let him walk? But he's not the only quarterback on the team. The Bucs do still have Blaine Gabbert. They do still have Ryan Griffin. And so first and foremost, Gil, what are your thoughts on what the Bucs should probably do in regards to Jameis? Well, I mean, up until about a week or two ago, um, I would say, you know, bring him back at all costs. Um, but with some stuff that's been going on since the season has ended um i don't i don't think the odds are in the bucks favor as far as bringing them back to where he wants to um play at as far as money is concerned uh, there were uh reports of a 30 plus million dollar per year uh figure that james wants and since then i mean there have been rumblings of that being fact so um i i don't see and i don't believe the bucks actually do want to bring him back at that amount of money um and if they do go ahead and and use a tag um and we we've talked about this before in our uh, group chat setting on twitter that we believe i mean the transition tag is probably going to be the route that they take and if that's the case then he's more than likely gone because um as i did write on a busnation.com that there are teams willing to go ahead and actually pay him that 30 plus so even if they do transition tag him he's more than likely out so i think some people or if not many people are going to just have to start getting in their minds that, hey, uh, Peter life without Jameis is probably going to be a fact here in the near future. Yeah, and, and Gil, that's something that we've kind of gone back and forth talking about. And I mean, I've, you know, I, well, I think all of us, it's not exclusive to any one person. But I think everybody has probably been called a Jameis hater and, and a Jameis fan all at the same time. And I think that, 
what 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 everybody has to understand when they're when they're dealing with the situation between the team and and a quarterback or any player really, but especially a quarterback, is you have the value that the player thinks that they bring to the team already and what they think they're going to do moving forward. And then you have the value that the team sees the player bringing to the franchise and what that means for the for the future as well. And you know, I think we saw a little bit of that at the at the end of game press conference following their their week seventeen loss to the to the Falcons, where Jameis got a little bit you know defensive and you know the whole uh, check your sheet you know was was born and, and and all that. But where do you so if thirty million isn't the number, and I understand we're talking about you know if if his camp and he wants thirty million, the Bucks aren't going to give it to him. It's probably not going to happen, and I'm fully on board with that. But where do you if you, if you had a magic wand and Jameis would just agree to whatever you wanted? What dollar amount would you put on bringing him back? That's tough because I'm kind of um, on the fence with that. I would go ahead and give him. I I honestly would go ahead and franchise him um, if if that's something that I'm willing to do. To go ahead and try to give him another year um, just to see where um, he's at with this offense. Uh, Carson Palmer, who actually played under uh, Bruce Arians in Arizona, he admitted that, hey, you know, my first year sucked, and I didn't start getting into that offseason after year one. Um, you know, this offense is predicated on a lot of option routes by receivers and the quarterback and receiver being on the same page. I did go back and look at some of Carson Palmer's interceptions, and they were almost identical as Jameis's issues this past year, uh, where, you know, Palmer either threw it inside and um, the receiver ended up running um, a streak down down the field, um, stuff like that. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, issues w- within the, a quarterback and receiver getting on the same uh, page to where they need to go ahead and have a full off season to go ahead and work on the offense. Um, I, if I were to bring them back, I would go ahead and bring them back on the franchise tag, um, which is valued at what like 25 to 26 million or something like that. Um, uh, to work to make sure at least that he does come back. Uh, there are reports, though, that he doesn't want to play under the franchise tag. But, hey, guess what? If he doesn't play under the franchise tag, then he owes the Bucks money, right? Um, so if if that were to be the case, um, I'd, probably, I'd probably say Fair Valley would be maybe in the $25, $27 million range. But let's look at it for what it is. I mean, he is, as he says, as he says he's balling, right? Um, d- despite the interceptions, um, he did – correct some of the issues as far as knowing when to throw the ball um, away, when to go ahead and take a sack. Um, there are obviously some work in those departments that still need to get done, um, but he also limited his fumbles from this year compared to last year. So um, is it stuff that's being worked on? Yes. Um, is he a gunslinger? Yes. Is he a risky or a take a risk on the field kind of guy? Yes. Um, that's where you're going to get with James Winston. But um it's hard to put a figure on it because in the first year in the new offense that's predicated on a lot of variables, it's hard to kind of pinpoint the value of what um, what the uh, what his dollar amount would be. Um, now I do want to go ahead and say this: when Carson Palmer came in um, under Arians for the first, I want to say two or three years, his salary was like in the middle range of the league. Um, after he signed his extension with Arizona, he was in the top ten. I want to say he moved him into the eight or nine. Uh, position of the uh, total overall salary for quarterbacks during that time. So um, right now, Jameis, I believe, is just outside the top 10 um, with that franchise tag from last year. Um, and uh, and if he were to get, let's say, even $30 million uh, for, for all intent and purposes, it only moves them into like the sixth or seventh spot or something like that. I had looked it up. I um, mean, you still have other quarterbacks that are ahead of them that are getting paid more money that you see people on Twitter that say, oh, I would never get that guy. So 
you know, you, you have to go ahead and kind of weigh your options and see what exactly um, you, you're going to get. So as far as value, I mean, if the Bucks are willing to bring him back at 25 to 27 and he's actually willing to go ahead and take that, then that's what I would pay him. Now, there, there is the possibility, as, as you said, of life without Jameis. So what we've been doing on these positional primers is trying to come up with alternative options if a player walks or to help a positional grouper or however you want to look at it. So let's say Jameis does walk. The Bucks don't want to bring him back. He won't play under the franchise tag. They decide, you know what, we're just going to cut our losses. We're going to move on. Maybe a fresh start for both sides is the best thing. So the Bucks have Ryan Griffin. And they have Blaine Gabbert. Now, what what would the Bucks do at the quarterback position moving into 2020? I don't think they're in a position where they want to have Gabbert or Griffin as their full-time starter. So then you go and you look to the draft. Well, the odds of a quarterback falling to you at 14 is possible, but not great. Especially with the, the rise of... of Herbert or Hubert out of Oregon. You got Jordan Love starting to get a lot of attention out of Utah State. Uh, obviously, we know Burrow and Tua are going to go the earliest. So you you look at the at the draft class. You look at the free agent class. You have guys like Philip Rivers and Tom Brady, and more than likely Andy Dalton. He's still under contract, but the Bengals are going to move on from him. They're going to give him a chance to go elsewhere. What do you think is the best thing for the Bucks to do at the quarterback position moving on from Jameis that is going to result in the quickest and most sustainable success? Well, I put a I put a poll up on uh, BucksNation.com where the majority of the folks would rather go ahead and pay a short uh, or pay a vet. I'm sorry, short term. To go ahead and and, uh, and open the door for a young quarterback to go ahead and be uh, groomed by whomever that veteran quarterback may be. Um, the only reason why I am against that is because you're basically going to go ahead and set yourself back again, right? So let's say you bring in a, a veteran um, again into a very complex uh, offensive system um, who hasn't played under it uh, to go ahead and and pave the way for a rookie quarterback that you're going to go ahead and groom off of the sidelines, right? So let's say in, let, let's play devil's advocate here and go ahead and say that that's not going to work. And the reason why I say that is because you're going to go ahead and then have that veteran in there for what, one year, a uh, season, because if you draft a quarterback in the first round, hypothetically, I mean, why the hell not go ahead and play him right away even? So depending on wherever he's drafted, you know, go ahead and plug him in. Uh, but they're not going to do that if, they go that route. So let's say you have a veteran for a year, then you go and plug in that rookie for the second, uh, that second time, which will base or that second season, which will basically be Arian's third season. So now you have three different quarterbacks in Arian's first three years. How successful will that quarterback be, regardless of whether he sat that first year or not? So now let's go ahead and bump it up. Let's go ahead and say he plays half of the season. Um, how successful will he be that second half of the year after coming in for that veteran? So. It's, it's kind of, they're, they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, to be honest with you. My, what I would go ahead and do is go ahead and draft a quarterback in the first round. Um, you already have Ryan Griffin and Blaine Gabbert, um, who at least understand the offense to some degree, but Ryan Griffin at least practiced um, within that offense all season, as opposed to Gabbert being out because of his injury, um, where he couldn't even practice. So 
I would go ahead and, to be honest with you, I would go ahead and let Griffin start the first couple games or so, and then just go ahead and plug the rookie in. Um, again, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Arians and the Bucks wanting to go ahead and draft a quarterback later on in the draft. If they are targeting the quarterback, I think it will be within that first uh, round. And I would probably be one to say that this would probably be the year where they strongly consider giving up some draft, um, some draft capital to go ahead and move up to actually get one even higher than where they're at. Yeah, and and my mistake, Blaine Gabbard is a free agent. I was thinking he signed a two-year deal, but the fact that he came in on a one-year deal before, missed a lot of time with injury, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. He signs another similar deal. Correct. Um, yeah. You know, to to come back for this year after after missing all that time with injury, so that's on me. So nobody jump in the mentions and start yelling at me about how I got that wrong. I'm I'm sorry. No, but yeah. I mean, regardless, though, regardless of that fact, though, I mean, Gabber has played in the NFL. He has several games under his belt. So why not go ahead and bring him back? So right. hypothetically, if we are talking where Gabbard and, and Griffin is in, I would still go ahead and give Griffin the uh, the um, the play under center, the start under center, because of the fact that he was in this offseason or in this offense offseason long. Oh, most definitely, Gil. And I think that's something that's that's important to remember. And like you said, they're in a rock and a hard place, right? They're, they're between a rock and a hard place because Jameis Winston does bring a lot of value to the team and the offense in the sense that he can make plays. He does make some amazing throws from time to time. But he's also his own worst enemy in the sense that, and, and I think I mentioned this in one of our group conversations, it's, it's almost like watching Superman save Lois Lane who's falling off of, 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 a, of a tall skyscraper. <laughs> but the problem is Superman's the one who threw her off the building in the first place. And that's kind of how we saw Jameis a lot towards the end of the season. There were some, some great performances and masterful performances where, you know, the team was trailing sometimes multiple times they fell behind by multiple scores and were able to come back and win. But part of the problem is some of those things happen. Some of those scenarios for him to come in and save the day, quote unquote, happened because he threw the Buccaneers off the cliff in the first place. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, it, it, like you said, it's, it's a hard decision on whether or not you should bring him back. I think at the end of the day, a lot of it's going to play into money and a lot of it's going to play into his mentality with the, the whole tag situation, because you've got to reserve your franchise tag for Shaq. Like, I think that's already pretty much been established. I, I think everybody pretty much agrees on that. So like you said, transition tag is really the only route you can go with Jameis. And if he goes out there on a transition tag, negotiating with other teams, someone is going to pay him. 28 29 maybe even 30 million dollars and they're and and the bucks aren't going to match it i don't i don't see the buccaneers matching it so then you do have this problem of do we draft or do we sign a veteran i've been saying for for a little while now you do both and that veteran could be blaine gabbert like you said like bring him back uh james like you just mentioned on another one or two year two year deal about a million and a half per year he played for 1.6 in 2019 bring him back on a similar deal he knows the system he's been in the system not a world beater by any means, but you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Mike Evans, uh, potentially OJ Howard and Cam Brake come back, depending on what they do there with the tight end situation. Ronald Jones has another offseason and training camp to get hopefully even better. And then we'll see what they do in the draft. And really what I think you do, and you, you kind of hit on this, Gil, is you take that extra money that you didn't pay Jameis with and you invest in the defense and mm-hmm. in bringing people back and maybe even going out and getting a, a couple of free our key free agents like Jimmy Ward from San Francisco. He's going to be a free agent, free safety, who's getting ready to play in the NFC Championship game. That's incredible experience playing on that defense. Ha ha Clinton Dix is a guy who's been brought up. You can take that money that you didn't pay Jameis and invest in a position like the free safety 
and, and, and secure that, that part of your defense, playing Gabbert or with Jordan Love or whoever, you can lean on your defense more than you have to rely on your offense and, and make things happen. So I think there's, while they're in a rock and a hard place, there is a solution. One of the solutions, Gil, that we brought up that I want to get your opinion on is a guy that spot track, spot track, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's a site that a lot of people like to use. They estimate this quarterback's million dollars a year on average. I estimate he'll probably get about 24, 25 if he hits the open market. Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints says that if the if the Saints bring Drew Brees back, he doesn't believe that Teddy Bridgewater comes back to play second fiddle again. I think he want he thinks that he wants to go find a starting job. Would you pay Teddy Bridgewater twenty five million to come in and quarterback this team versus paying Jameis Winston thirty? Uh, listen, I'll go back to the day that Teddy Bridgewater was coming out of college, and I love me some skinny knees since that was a huge knock on Teddy Bridgewater. If the Bucks bring in Teddy Bridgewater, I wouldn't even consider um, drafting a quarterback so high, maybe later on in the draft to go ahead and bring mm-hmm. him in, you know, maybe a couple years down the line. But I would absolutely have Teddy Bridgewater as my starting quarterback um, for, uh, for a couple seasons, uh, maybe even longer. Um, I do believe Teddy Bridgewater has what it takes to continue to play in the NFL, um and for for a while um and i think he has you know definitely some more left under him for the sole reason that he um has sat out for a while right there was a couple seasons due to injury or whatnot and he's been playing backup for how how long has it been i want to say it's like three or four seasons or something like that um so he's definitely still fresh um with that being said i would more than likely Go ahead and draft a uh, or, or bring in Teddy Bridgewater. All right. Well, Gil, we're we're gonna move into to bold prediction time here. Pull out, pull out your your crystal ball that you you use so frequently, and and help all the readers at Bucks Nation figure out exactly what the Bucks are gonna do. We're gonna fast forward four months. Four months gets us almost up to the draft, but it gets us past free agency gets us past all of the questioning. Will they, won't they, is it a tag? Is it an extension? Who is the Buccaneers starting quarterback for the 2020 season? Oh man, come on flash. Uh, let's see. <laughs> or do they just give all of the quarterback money to Derrick Henry and just direct snaps every play? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, uh, he threw a touchdown pass. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, hey. You know what? There's a lot of people that can throw uh, touchdown passes, but it doesn't mean that they can drop back under center 40 times a game, though. Um, You know what? Can I just say that there is a guy below the age of 30 that can go ahead and uh, be the starting quarterback in 2020? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, absolutely not. So we're excluding Blaine Gabbert. It's not going to be Blaine Gabbert. Well, that's exactly why I said that. you know what? Just for the sake that you brought it up, the starting quarterback. Okay, let, let's take it a deep, uh, a little deeper. Are we talking about the first half, the second half of the season, or are we talking the entire season? I'll I'll give you the majority of the season. The majority of the season, I would say that there's definitely a veteran um, that will go ahead and actually play under center for the 2020 season, and I do see a rookie coming in in the latter part of that to go ahead and transition into 2021. As far as who that will be, see, the thing is, is that David threw me off. And since I've had my heart set on Bridgewater for a while now, um, 
I would no, because seriously, honestly, if if there's a chance that they bring in Teddy Bridgewater, I would totally give him you know three four years to to play as a starting quarterback for the Bucks. I I honestly mm. really would. I would um, be fine with that. But yeah, it, I just it, don't yeah, see him well, leaving sure New Orleans. A lot of people. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, but since you are asking to be specific, man, you know what? Screw it. I say the Bucks go ahead and draft Jordan Love, and then he's the entire starter for the entire 2020 season. Boom. There it is. I would not be against that. But you know what? I want to I throw something either. out there real quick. So uh, Teddy Bridgewater is someone, James, we've been talking about Teddy for a little while now. and A, a lot and, of and, while. Yeah. And Gil, I'm, I'm fully aware that, that you supported Teddy. That was a very loaded question because I knew that you were going to support it. But <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with Teddy. I was set up. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with, with the prospect of bringing Teddy Bridgewater in talk about how Teddy might fit in uh, Bruce Arian's scheme, Byron Leftwich's scheme. And listen, Teddy Bridgewater, um, I think, you know, his, his athleticism, I don't know how, how athletic he is, you know, at peak form after the, after the knee injury that he suffered and has been coming back from and everything. But Jameis Winston is not, you know, Patrick Mahomes by any means. So athletic, athletically, you're not, you're not looking to replace Jameis Winston's athleticism, even though he does make, you know, some really good scrambles from time to time. I'll give him credit for that. But people really talk about Teddy Bridgewater's ability to get the ball down the field. And looking at, you know, statistics, that's really, you know, kind of the only way we're going to really bridge this gap between can Teddy Bridgewater thrive in a system that targets the ball down the field. Jameis Winston has a 7.7 career yards per average uh, stat. That's his stat line. Yards per average per pass attempt is 7.7 yards. Teddy Bridgewater is a 7.2, which is half a yard per attempt. And half a yard, you know, after, you know, 40 attempts is, is 20 yards. Got it. But I think what it shows is that Teddy Bridgewater does have the ability to run an offense that can push the ball down the field. Also, uh, looking at the amount of passes that each quarterback has going 20, 40-plus yards in a season, this year alone, Teddy Bridgewater had 16 passes that went for 20-plus yards in the New Orleans Saints offense, which I think everybody can agree is a little bit more conservative than a Bruce Arian system. In the years leading up to uh, Jameis Winston being led under Bruce Arians, he did have more of those chunk plays, 20 yards, 40 yards. But when you look at the fleet, I mean, Teddy had six and seven in his first, in his two most successful seasons. When Jameis Winston had six and nine, those are his top two seasons. So again, you're not too far off there. Under Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, those numbers jumped to 75 passes of over 20 yards and 40 of over 13. But again, that's under the tutelage of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. So if Jameis Winston's chunk play numbers can go up like that, there's no reason to think that Teddy Bridgewater, who is is known for as a guy who coming out of college was known, he's going to run a different system than he did in college, and he did it, and he did it successfully in Minnesota. wasn't an MVP or anything, but he did it successfully. Went to New Orleans, learned under, learned behind Drew Brees and under Sean Payton, executed that system very well when he was called upon. No reason to think that Teddy can't do the same. And again, the numbers show that while Bridgewater is not known as a gunslinger, he does have an NFL arm. So if he's asked to push the ball down the field, he can do it. But perhaps. Right, his career two point three interception percentage shows a little bit more of the conservatives conservatism. I don't even know if that's the right word. If that you can this spell offense it, needs that this offense needs to be ultimately successful and take those checkdowns and take those quick reads that sometimes Jameis passes up trying to get the ball downfield. Yeah, and I'm I mean I'm not disagreeing at all with that whatsoever. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you're saying that yeah you know. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has been in a conservative um, offense for the most part um, to some degree. 
um, to where it didn't really allow him to push the football down the field. But when he did uh, throw the football down the field, he was, for the most part, um, successful at doing so. Uh, I mean, we saw it in New Orleans this past year when he was asked to go ahead and, and uh, when Sean Payton dialed up a, a deep pass. Um, he was successful with it. He really was. Um, and uh, in, in Minnesota, yeah, granted, you know, injuries probably played a lot of, um, you know, his first season um, as well as, what his third or fourth I, I forget how long Teddy Bridgewater has been in the league already but um he he struggled uh in his first season uh due to injuries and then um I think it was what his third or fourth season that he was pretty much out for the entire year um and then lo and behold he finds himself in New Orleans and then this year he he backs up Drew Brees and he comes right in and I don't believe they lost the game when Teddy Bridgewater was was under center um and coming in for drew Brees, so uh, and i think he almost had um and i'd have to pull it up but i want to say he was close to a 70 percent completion rate um if not at 70 percent when he was in new york when he was covering for damn it when he was coming in for drew Brees. um so i would love to have uh teddy bridgewater here and i think he does have the capability to play, not just to play, but play successfully under Bruce Arians, not just for one or two seasons, but for multiple years down the road. Yeah. And I mean, signing a guy like that, again, we talk about, you know, maybe Teddy is not as, you know, ultimately dynamic as Jameis Winston can be. But again, if you're, if you're paying a guy like Teddy, then you can invest that first round draft pick in a guy like Javon Kinlaw or, or something like that, uh, or Grant Delpit. You can invest in the defense more. And again, make it to where your quarterback doesn't have to go out there and be a play of the year type of quarterback. He can be a guy to come in and have that 2% interception rate and push the ball downfield when necessary. A lot of people seem to forget Bruce Arians, you know, his, yeah, no risk it, no biscuit. He wants to push down the ball down the field, but he wants to push the ball down the field by manipulating the defense into where they are in a position to give up those big shots down the field. That's why you see a little bit of an increased run. Uh, run focus early in the game because what they're trying to do is establish that run, get the defense to shrink itself, and then blow the top off of it with play action and everything else. Teddy Bridgewater's the kind of guy that can come in for the first one, two, three drives, not turn the ball over, but let the running backs do their job, hit a couple of five to seven passes that get turned into you know 10 to 15-yard gains by the wide receiver run after catch. And then on that third or fourth drive, that's where you come with the play action or the pump fake or the, or the double moves or something, and you, and you blow the, the lid off the defense. Teddy Bridgewater knows how to operate that kind of offense. That's the kind of offense that they want. But when you have a quarterback, uh, again, I'm not trying to harp on James too much, but when you have a quarterback throwing interceptions on first, second possessions of the game, even a pick six in the second possession of the game, something like that, it takes your ability to set those things up away a little bit, and it kind of forces it to a situation where now a defense knows what you're doing. So, again, a lot of those a lot of those comments of, well, of course, James is throwing all these interceptions. He's throwing 40 passes a game. But, again, guys, he's throwing 40 passes a game because they're playing from behind because he threw early interception. That's Um, true. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. Echelon fit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. 
All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that's going to about wrap things up on our 2020 positional primer episode about the quarterbacks, a.k.a. about what in the hell are the Bucks going to do about Jameis Winston? Any parting thoughts before we get out of here, uh, Mr. Arcia? Um, you know what? I, I guess what I'll leave, I'll leave some words of encouragement for uh, fans because I know there are se- several of uh, them out there that want to go ahead and already jump uh, not just off the ship, but literally jump off the ship while it's docked at the docking station right onto the uh, platform there waiting for people to get off. So not just into the water, but they want a hard fall. But it's not really going to be that bad because, you know what, they actually there is a competent coaching staff, um, coaching staff here in uh, Tampa Bay now that actually knows what they're doing, knows what they want, and knows what they're looking for. So um, I would say that whoever is under center for 2020, um, yes, it might be a learning experience, but the best part about it is, is that there's actually going to be a defense that will actually back up the offense this year. So um, let's say there are some struggles offensively in 2020, but I really wholeheartedly believe that the defense will be there to pick up the pieces. Absolutely. And of course, something that we're going to get into, uh, I I would assume later this week, possibly next week, depending on how these shake out, is... Um, you you compliment whoever is under center with a quality running game. I think if we've learned mm-hmm. anything in the playoffs, it's that you have to have a quality running game. Forget all the analytics. Sure. Forget all that nonsense that people want to spew. At the end of the day, football is still football. You have to be able to play defense and pound the rock. So, you know, plenty of plenty of optimism to be had in uh, in Tampa Bay. I agree. All right. Well, Gil, thank you so much for joining us, brother. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. You All right. Do and a, a great job on the podcast and also on our destination. I really can't say how much I appreciate you guys. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. We we wouldn't, you know, be able to do it without our without our fearless leader. So we would still be stuck over at another publication <laughs> that just wasn't nearly as fun. Wow. Hey, hey, we'll, we'll leave it. Uh, we, we won't take a shot there, but uh, right, I'll see you right. <laughs> All right. And of course, you can check out everything that Gil is doing over at Bucks Nation and on Twitter at Gil Arcia Bucks. You can check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.